Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. La 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 la, cheapastro.com. La 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 la, cheapastro.com. La 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 la, cheapastro.com. And this is the center of a black hole. Hey, remember how we used to do 10-minute Cheap Astronomy episodes? Nowadays, we just do 5-minute answers to Dear Cheap Astronomy questions and 10-minute ISS episodes. And of course, you have to spend equal time listening to me bang on about my PhD, which has been going on for nearly 4 years now. I mean, come on. But just now and again, we do try and surprise you by throwing in a real 10-minute long, just like the old days, cheap astronomy episode, with the intro and the outro, and a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. This one actually arises from a Dear Cheap Astronomy question, a question from Kent, where I read it and went, Hey, what? Um, huh. And then, ah... So, firstly, there's an old physics thought experiment that says if you drill a hole all the way through the diameter of the Earth, and we pretend there's no air resistance and it's not all hot and molten-y inside, then you will fall through that hole, accelerated by the gravity of the planet, right through to the other side, and be decelerated before you reach the other side, at which point you fall back again, and the whole process repeats over and over in an endless fall. Allegedly, the whole passage from one side to the other always takes 42 minutes, but that calculation assumes the Earth is uniformly dense, which of course it isn't. A fall through a properly modelled Earth with a diffuse crust and a dense core has a fall-through time which is several minutes less than 42, and is hence not equivalent to half an orbit, a calculation which only works if we pretend the Earth is uniformly dense. But putting most of that aside, what's important for this podcast is that if you fell down that hole in the Earth with a jetpack and used it to slow yourself to a halt right at the centre of the Earth, then you would just float there, weightless. There would be equal mass spread equidistantly around you, so the net gravitational effect upon you would be zero. Of course, what makes gravity work the way that it does is that mass bends space-time, and the degree of space-time bending at any point is dependent upon the amount of mass that you're adjacent to. So, at the centre of the Earth, space-time is equally bent from all directions, and the net effect is that it flattens out. While mass does warp space-time, we should also qualify the effect of density, because the extent of local space-time warpage does also depend upon mass density. For example, if you compress the Earth down to half its diameter, you will increase its density by a factor of 8, and the gravitational force you will feel standing upon its surface 
or quadruple from nearly 10 metres per second per second to nearly 40 metres per second per second, even though it's the same one Earth mass that's beneath your feet. So on the surface of the compressed Earth, your clock would run slower than a clock on the surface of a normal density Earth. But density only matters up to a point. If you climbed a very tall ladder up from the surface of that compressed mini-Earth, when you reached an altitude that was at the distance from the centre that the original Earth's surface used to be, then you would experience a gravitational force of 1g and your clock would be running at normal Earth-sea level rate. Even if you compressed the Earth down to such an extreme density that light would not escape from it, that is, a black hole, from a point that was one Earth radius distance from the centre of that black hole, you would still experience 1g of gravity and an Earth-sea level clock rate. So, pulling all that together now, gravity is really just space-time curvature because the presence of mass curves space-time. However, the degree of local space-time torsion that is, the degree of gravity that you experience when you are near a mass, depends not only on the mass of that mass, but also on its density. To put it another way, the gravitational force that you experience near a massive object is always determined by your distance from its centre, but it's also determined by just how much mass may be tightly packed between where you are and where its centre is. But of course, if your distance from that centre of mass is zero, that is, you are at the centre, then there is no net gravitational force acting upon you, because there is equally dense mass in all directions around you, so space-time flattens out. So, now to Kent's question, which, as you may have guessed already, is whether there is zero-g at the centre of a black hole. From a pure Einsteinian view, the answer is no, since all the mass in a black hole is supposedly compressed to a point of infinite density and zero volume. If there's no volume, then there is no point further within where you can find mass equally distributed around you. All the mass is simply at one single point. This idea may seem extraordinary, but it's also irrefutable, since the true nature of mass distribution within a black hole is unknowable because the whole thing lies behind an event horizon. So, in the absence of observational data, all we have to go by is the mathematics of Einstein. But, let's also remember what the eminent gentleman who presented this math to the world had to say about math. As far as the laws of mathematics refer to reality, they are not certain. And as far as they are certain, they do not refer to reality. As we have previously discussed in other Cheap Astronomy episodes, it is puzzling that we now have observational evidence of supermassive black holes and also stellar-sized black holes. 
Should we assume then that the mass within the supermassive black holes has a really big infinite density, compressed into zero volume, while a stellar black hole has just a middling kind of infinite density, compressed into zero volume? One should always be a bit sceptical when your math starts producing infinities, and perhaps a bit more sceptical when it starts telling you about different sized infinities. If it isn't the case that all mass shrinks down to a single point within a black hole, but instead perhaps compresses down into some unimaginably dense state of degenerate matter, which actually has a quantifiable volume, and hence both an outer surface and a centre, then it does start sounding plausible that at the centre of that extraordinary object there might be a point of zero g, since that point would be surrounded by equidistant amounts of mass with utterly humongous but equal densities. But while there might be a tiny point of zero g at the very centre, it's still going to be a point that's way down at the very bottom of a deep, dense black hole. To fall all the way down to the centre of a black hole, firstly you would die, but you would also have to fall through regions where relative time slows to almost nothing, so just because you're at zero g doesn't mean your clock will start running at the same rate it might outside in interstellar space. And of course there is no way we could ever verify that claim since you have fallen past an event horizon, which means you can't transmit a signal out, nor are you ever going to get back out yourself to tell anyone about the rate of your clock or the length of your ruler. Nonetheless, Zero-G at the centre of a black hole, although utterly unverifiable as a hypothesis, it does seem almost plausible. Well, a bit. Maybe. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website full of answers to unknowable questions, since no one can ever prove us wrong. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye! And with that out of the way, here's a quick footnote. According to the math of Einstein, all the mass of a black hole is concentrated down into a single point of zero volume. That might sound bafflingly strange, but it is quite consistent with current particle physics, which proposes that quarks and electrons are point particles. They have mass, but no volume. All the volume that we see in matter, and in atoms, and in atomic nuclei, is just the empty space that lies between those point particles. So, with sufficient gravity, all those separated point particles really could collapse down into one single point with no volume. Indeed, you could keep on adding more and more mass-carrying point particles without ever increasing its volume. Nifty, huh? Thanks for listening. See you next week. Steve Nerlich, Cheap Astronomy.